Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the podcast. So today's topic that we're going to be talking about is something that's very near and dear to my heart. Something that I've struggled with for the longest time and although it's not a disability to me, it can be a disability to many people. This is in fact anxiety. Now, the way I'm going to be approaching anxiety within this podcast is how it affects people with disabilities. So, for example, anxiety, ADHD, or even physical disabilities. So, I've placed this into three categories. What is anxiety? How anxiety affects a number of different people with disabilities? And my own stories surrounding anxiety and how myself, a person who struggles with anxiety, figured out a way to combat it and help myself so it doesn't rule my life as as much as it used to when I was younger. So starting off, I'm going to be looking at what is anxiety? So the definition of anxiety is the feeling of unease, such as worry or fear. This can be mild or severe. It's got it written down here that everyone can experience anxiety to some sort of severity so you may be feeling worried or anxious about sitting an exam for example or having a medical job or an interview although some people will ultimately feel it a lot more intense and worse than others so now that I've looked at the symptom side of what are the symptoms of anxiety, I'm going to be looking at how does it affect people with autism, ADHD, and a range of disabilities. So like I mentioned beforehand, anxiety is not a symptom of being neurodivergent. However, it does affect many people who are on the neurodivergent spectrum. So I've written down a few possible triggers which potentially could cause anxiety for someone with a disability. So the first one which I've written down, which I feel like is the most obvious, this could happen to a non-neurotypical as well, is your body naturally overproduces the chemical that produces anxiety. So no matter what you do, you could be sleeping, eating, talking to friends, watching a TV show, you'll naturally have anxiety. I definitely feel like I can relate to this. I, when I was 16, I, I've always had anxiety, but one day when I woke up, I just started to worry about this particular thing. Then it started to get, get worse. Then I started to dissociate. And before I knew it, a year later, I was crying every single night. And yeah, so I can definitely relate to that one for sure. Another example which neurodivergence might relate to is the trauma of growing up with a negative experience or just experiencing trauma growing up surrounding their disability. That this could be from a negative doctor's experience, a negative upbringing, or just not having very much positive light focused towards their disability and aspects around it. This isn't something that all people with disabilities can relate to, although I am aware that a lot of people do experience it and it's a day-to-day struggle where possible solutions might be counselling, talking to friends, talking to family, talking to your safe people. 
I've definitely had experiences personally from trauma growing up to do with my disability and anxiety. Yeah. Experiences where I feel like in the past, if they were handled a lot better and people had more knowledge, I wouldn't be suffering like I am today. Yeah. I think this leads on to my next point, talking about reasons why people with disability might get anxiety is having unpredictable circumstances, especially for people with ADHD and autism or even dyspraxia or dyslexia. We specifically hate unpredictable circumstances. Me having autism, I'm very, very structured in the way I want to do something. And if something gets put in the way or our plans get cancelled, it can put me in a very uncomfortable situation where I'm not sure what to do with the rest of my day and it does produce anxiety for me and I know many other people talking to them they are in a similar situation to myself. I found ways to cope with this a little bit. I found this Instagram page yesterday I was scrolling through Instagram and there was a page on how to help with anxiety especially when traveling in general and one of them said create loose plans still have plans but if they're loose then you won't have anxiety as much with things not going to plan because they were never set in stone in the first place and I thought that was a really interesting fact and something that I wanted to take on board I know that if I have a doctor's appointment or I need to be somewhere by a certain time that's really important I wouldn't create something loose surrounding that but if I was having a chill day and I was thinking about activities to do, creating loose plans is definitely something that I would consider. And the last thing that I've written down on situations that might produce anxiety for people with disabilities is triggers being presented that you're unaware of, or maybe or maybe you are aware of, and just having an off day. Both of them things could definitely create anxiety, especially if trigger is presented, something that we know what makes us uncomfortable, something that might have caused trauma in the past, might make us feel a bit uncomfortable. And I don't have a exact solution for this. I'm not sure whether there is a solution for this. Everybody's on their own journey, their own path. Everybody's triggers are different. Everybody knows what works for them. What works for me may not work for you, but definitely, definitely, I would say it could cause anxiety. So the next segment which I'm going to be talking about in this episode is stories of anxiety that I've had. Now I'm not going to be talking about anything really personal, things that may have caused me trauma or triggered me but things that I've overcome and I don't mind being in the open are topics that I'm going to be talking about. So I've got my notes up. So I'm going to be telling you about my story with anxiety. So I've had crippling anxiety my whole life. My whole life up until about three years ago where I got medication called Zetalopram to manage and control it. This is mainly because I was dissociating a lot because for some reason my brain decided you've got anxiety but we're gonna amp it up and make you have more anxiety and make you not sleep. So I got some medication when I was about 19 because for three years 
I was associating. Dissociating is really scary. I don't really hear many people talk about it. I had to look on the internet quite a bit to find something about it just so I didn't feel alone. Even talking to the doctors about it, they treated it like a taboo subject, which scared me a little bit. Uh, I didn't really want to go to the doctors because I thought there was something wrong with me, but that's what happened. (laughs) So like I mentioned, I never dissociated in school. This was only something that happened in college. However, I did have crippling anxiety still all the way from as little as I can remember growing up to now I've always had anxiety. So what I can remember in school with my anxiety is I was petrified of crossing the roads. I think it plays in a little bit with my dyspraxia where I have no perception of how far away an object is, especially a car. So when I'm crossing the road, even now, even yesterday, I have no idea if a car is close or far away and I'm not sure how to judge it. And I've tried being patient. I've tried waiting, just giving it a go when someone's there, but I always get it wrong, either too close or too far away. So when I was in school, my school was on a main road, so when my parents dropped me off, I always had to cross the road. And if I was close to being late for school, I would not care. I would dart over that road so quickly. But that would scare my parents to death because they wouldn't know if I was okay, if I was looking left and right, or whether I was just anxious about getting to school on time. I think it didn't help that we lived a little bit away from school and I love my parents to pieces, but they are not very good in the morning in a way of getting up early, getting ready and getting ourselves out the door. So a lot of the time we would end up being late and when you're in high school, when you're in primary school, it's all fine and dandy. They maybe give you a little bit of a warning, but it's more directed at the parents. When you're in high school, it's directed at you. My school was very picky in the way of if you were five minutes late, one minute late, two minutes late, they would give you a detention. And going into year seven, I never experienced anything like this before. I think I was sheltered in a way where I never heard of a detention before. I was like, I'm never getting in detention but yeah in my first couple of weeks of school I ended up getting in detention for being late because my parents ended up getting in detention for being late because either I had no time of perception and I was late or my parents they had no time of perception either so they made me late I say made me because I, I love my parents still but yeah there's been a few times where I skipped the detention because I was absolutely petrified ended up getting an hour detention which I, I didn't go to because I talked about my anxiety and I talked about my fears and with the head teacher and he let me off but he was like in the future make sure you go if you have a late detention but that experience even now has led me to even if I'm going to an appointment that's not that important I have to get up early get ready early leave the house early if I'm late even by a tiny bit I will freak out I you even if you talk to me I will not listen because all I'm thinking about is getting there on time not getting there on time and it's just crazy how something that happened when I was 16 and I'm 23 is still affecting me now with the anxiety so that is the first example of how anxiety has affected me yeah
I think also the phrase anxious introvert wanting to be an extrovert at heart plays massive into this. I always want to hang out with extroverts. I always want to be in that circle, but sometimes my brain won't allow it. I'm very introverted at heart. Things drain me quite quickly. I like being at home I like watching tv I like going on long walks I'm not a big party person all the things that extroverts don't like well they they do like it but not as much so I had this feeling of I have to be liked if I have if I want friends so going up to people and talking to them it would give me so much anxiety because I'd worry how did they perceive me I would just have so much anxiety just talking to people that I didn't know very well even my peers my peers are the biggest people where I can't talk to them and I don't know why if you're a lot older than me or a lot younger than me I can talk to you so well but if you're similar age to me I really struggle to talk to you unless I know you like the back of my hand I struggle and I'm not sure why I had this thing of I worried what people thought of me I always had it in my head even when I wasn't worrying I had anxiety and I didn't know why I just really struggled to talk to people and it did affect me because I just couldn't have a normal conversation with anyone in my class no one even my mum's friends and their kids going to their house I think I made it difficult on myself and I'm not sure why I did even my mum would come up to me and say why are you doing this Athena they want to be your friend when I was younger that was the main thing having tablets now it's made it a little bit better because going to uni I'm slightly more outgoing I can talk to people when I was younger I would never do anything like a podcast or anything The most confident thing I could do when I was younger was I could go on stage at my drama club and do a solo and not care what anyone thinks and just have the time in my life with confidence. But as soon as I saw anyone in person, I'd be shut, shut down. I think it's because I'm pretending I'm masking and I can just be someone else as soon as I'm I can just be someone else as soon as I'm myself that's it game's over but as long as they can mask I'm fine that's what it was when I was younger a recent example that I can think of is a couple of weeks ago it was Christmas time and I was at the Christmas market and I was getting overwhelmed and stressed because there was a lot of people around I was wearing my headphones to block out the noise and I wasn't really into it that much I loved Christmas and I I loved everything around but the people were putting me off a little bit being loud not not to sound rude or anything but I wasn't really enjoying it as much as I wanted to. So my mum was getting a, I think it was a cake or something, but it didn't have a napkin with it. And mum really wanted a napkin just so things didn't get messy in her bag. And she asked me whether I could ask a stall for a napkin. And in my head, I was thinking, I'm stressed out. I've got anxiety. The last thing I can do is ask for a napkin. And I don't think my mum understood that. And I know it makes me look very petty, but in my head, I was done for the day. I just wanted to go home and I just didn't want to get this napkin. And I don't know why, because if you'd asked me, earlier on in the day or the day before my confidence would have been booming and I would have gone I'm gonna get you this napkin mum I'm gonna get you the best napkin well maybe not the best napkin but like I just couldn't do it and it partly plays with my autism and ADHD and dyspraxia how although anxiety isn't a symptom of it it is deeply affected by it and I know it's hard but putting myself in situations where I'm not triggered and and I'm not stressed really do help my anxiety but I know I can't do this all the time. 
I think I mentioned this before in the general tips, but something that really helped me calm my anxiety, especially when approaching people and understanding how people think is counselling. So whilst I was at uni, I had counselling mainly to calm my nerves around my coursework because for some reason, whenever I was doing my coursework and deadline, I would always get this really intense anxiety that I couldn't control myself. It was like something was taking over me and forcing me to have anxiety about myself, have anxiety about talking to people, how anxiety would perceive me. And I'm going to give you a tip that my counsellor said to me, which really helped me about perceiving people. They said, think of it like a date, like you're on a dating website, like match, like you're on a dating website, like match. So you've got to think, how would they fit into your life? Are they a match for you? And if they aren't a match for you, then move on to the next person. If you do think they're a match for you, perfect. But never think, am I good enough for them? Because as much as you may be good enough for them, they might be not good enough for you. They may put triggers on you. They might be insensitive. Or on the other hand, they might be good, perfect. You never really know until you flip it the other way and think, are they the right person for me? Which is something that I'm learning to do and learning to put myself first, although it is very, very hard. So I think that's it. I think this is the end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and found some tips or just learn about anxiety and how it affects many people with disabilities. If you're loving this podcast series, I'd love it if you could subscribe down if you could subscribe down below on whatever streaming platform you're on. And I'd love it if you enjoyed anything about the podcast. Let me know down below or anything that you feel like's missing out or anything that you just loved. I'll see you in the next episode where I'll be having another extra special guest. Bye!